Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Three children out flying a kite see something unusual. Is it a UFO or something far worse? And then we go back to the world of gang stalking to take a look at the story of a man who said he lost 10 pounds of muscle in three days due to gang stalkers. Either that or he is seriously, seriously ill. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you guys had lots of fun this weekend, whatever you like to do. I hope you guys did it. (laughs) As long as it's not robbing banks, as long as you're not like, oh man, I really need a break from all this stress. Put down the ski mask. You don't even need ski masks anymore. The world we live in, you just walk into a bank wearing a mask. Oh, those lucky bank robbers. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Max the Head. Max the Head, thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps out a lot. You know, I'm going to say this too. Sorry to interrupt your introduction here, Max. Max the Head's icon is Max Hedrum. I'm going to do a quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. Guys, if you have not seen the television show Max Hedrum, you are missing out. It is pure, like, 1986, bizarre, Blade Runner sci-fi. It's so ahead of its time. It told a future where there was more than three channels on the air. There was a thousand channels. And back when we were watching it, we are like, Whoa, a thousand channels? You can watch whatever you wanted on television. It's dope, dude. Max Hedrum is really good. I watched it as a kid. And then I watched it again in the early 2000s. I got it on a DVD. It's really good. If you haven't seen Max Hedrum yet, check it out. 20 minutes into the future is when that show takes place. And I remember as a kid, that blew me away. Uh, that, that was like one of those concepts. I was like, whoa. Like, you'll never be to that point. Really, really great cyberpunk television show. So thank you, Max the Head, for reminding me of that great show. And I hope you guys do check out Max Hedrum. But Max, that advertisement aside, maybe it's the real Max Hedrum who's supporting the show. That advertisement aside, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's okay too. Totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out so, so much. So Max Hedrum, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to toss you the keys. We're going to start off in the, you know what, let's use the hair hang glider. I think we've used that once before. And I, there was a reason why we stopped using it. It was a stupid name. But, Max, let's go ahead. You're going to fly this hang glider. We're just all going to hold on to your feet, and then someone holds on to my feet, and we make a chain of podcast pals flying through the sky. We are headed out to Capina Grande do Sol. That's in Brazil. When you see a ravine in front of us, go ahead. We're going to land on the ground obviously we're not going to land in a cloud, we're not Care Bears. We're going to land on the ground, and we're going to stand behind a rock. We're going to watch this action that's about to take place. It's May 4th, 1997. It's a sunny spring day. We see three young boys flying a kite. Look at this. This is so awesome. 
is what everyone says the first two minutes. They use a kite, and then they're like, I'm bored. Let's go watch Transformers. They're flying this kite. But three people flying one kite is a recipe for disaster. It gets tangled up in a tree. And they're like, oh, shucks, let's go untangle that. <laughs> Apparently it's the Three Stooges. It's the Three Stooges' kids. Yeah, you wise guy, you got the kite tangled up. They go over to the tree to untangle the kite. Now the tree is at the edge of a ravine. And they're over there and they're getting ready to untangle it. And one of them goes, hey, hey, look, look. Points down at the ground. And there's a dead chicken. Now it's gross, right? Nobody likes seeing dead animals. But these kids, they're a little savvy. It's not like this chicken had a heart attack or something like that. And it's not like a chicken bone. It's a dead chicken. And they're savvy enough to know in this area, that chicken just didn't fall over dead. That chicken was most likely killed during some sort of ritual, is what the kids surmise. So they don't really even pay that much attention to it. It, It's so common to them. They're like, oh, someone was casting casting a spell here. No, don't pay attention to that. Help me untangle this kite. And as they're getting the kite untangled from the tree, all of a sudden, something catches their attention coming out of the afternoon sky. They see a cloud descending. They said it looked like a trunk. It was like a tree trunk just coming down from the sky slowly. Now, the dead chicken, spooky, but normal. That isn't normal. That isn't normal. It's not mist coming down. It's not a little late afternoon fog. It's it's a cloud shaped like something clouds aren't normally shaped like. And it's moving towards them. So they're like, forget the kite. We can buy a new kite. We can't buy new lives. They start running. And at this point, two of the boys actually... The third boy's out. He's gone, right? He's the smartest of the three. Two of them turn around and they go, okay, we've cleared the ravine. We're no longer, the cloud's no longer coming by us. It looks like the cloud's actually going to go into the ravine. They turn around and they look and they see inside of the cloud a humanoid who's completely brown. Like someone took the silhouette of a human, cut out all the detail, and just colored it in with a brown crown. Two boys look at each other. Third boy's already getting lemonade back at home. The two boys are looking at each other and this cloud is descending They see this figure inside this cloud, and the cloud actually disappears from the horizon. So now it's actually in the ravine. They can't see the cloud anymore, but they figure it's continuing to the ravine floor. And that's when they hear the terrified screams of a man echo from the ravine. The two boys turn, they run, and they don't stop until they reach their house. It's an interesting story. It was from Carlos Alberto Mercado. I got the story from thinkaboutitdocs.com, which is a great repository of stuff. They got it from Carlos Alberto Mercado. What does this story mean? You could take it as its face, which is a UFO. A vehicle descending from the sky into the ravine. Had an occupant. It was literally a UFO. They couldn't figure out what it was. It was cloud-shaped. You had this humanoid inside of it. UFO descending, and some guy was just in the ravine camping, having a good old time. He saw a kite up there he was going to retrieve later. And then all of a sudden, this alien got him. I actually think the story's far more sinister than that. Let's suppose this. Let's put on our conspiracy caps. The chicken was actually part of a ritual. This man was attempting to call forth some sort of, not alien being, but a supernatural being. And this creature descended to Earth. And the ritual went bad. And the terrified screams that they heard 
wasn't a man being surprised by an alien visitor. It was a man who realized in the final moments of his life that he was messing with forces far out of his control. The story of magic going wrong like that is ageless. That's always been around. There's very few times where we've come across stories where people see it, where you have outside observers seeing it. YouTube's full of videos of teenagers or preteens playing with Ouija boards, and then one of their eyes turned black. They're all, I mean, obviously that's fake, right? Oh, it's right. It's fake, right? Because they're super spooky. For the most part, for the most part, those are fake. To have someone actually possibly have viewed a ritual gone wrong and seen this supernatural creature appear and basically punish the magic user for either getting the spell wrong, for asking for something that couldn't be fulfilled, or just to punish humanity for their hubris. Who knows? There's also a chance that a chicken had a heart attack and a UFO showed up. But I think it's creepier to think of a magic spell gone wrong. And probably an undiscovered body at the bottom of that ravine. Now just bleached bones. Story was 23 years ago. Just a man went missing in the area. A local man who thought he knew the secrets of the universe. And then when he went missing one day, people were too scared to find out what really happened to him. Max, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this ravine. Really fast, right? In case this cloud comes after us. Hurry up. Get into the carbon copter. We're flying off. Chicken, Chicken's running. This other chicken's like, no, no, save me. Save me. Waving to us. We saved the chicken before that one. That was the cousin of the chicken who was dead. We couldn't do anything for him. We're eating his cousin. We take that ritualized sacrifice chicken. We're eating it. Mm, this is delicious. The cousin chicken's like, yeah, yeah, I'd eat it too. I'm pretty hungry. If I was a cannibal, I'd eat him too. We're leaving behind Brazil. We are headed back to the United States. So while we're flying out to America, let's talk about gang stalking. A quick overview on gang stalking. I actually have a ton of episodes to do on gang stalking, but I want to space them out. I want to space them out. You can only take so much insanity in a given in a given two-week period. They've been spread out every two weeks. Now, I recently got an email from Jimmy Moore, a longtime supporter of the show, a longtime listener, and he actually said, You know, it's funny because people will poo-poo gang stalking, but there is proof that it exists. And you know what? He's 100% right. And I think we need to make a distinction between gang stalking in practice and the conspiracy theory known as gang stalking. Conspiracy theory known as gang stalking is you are a normal individual who, for whatever reason, you're just chosen to be stalked. As opposed to this, let me read you this. Jimmy Moore sent me an article. It was written by Dominic Tierney for The Atlantic. And he's talking about, in this article, he's talking about the, the Stasi, the East German secret police that were around when uh, Russia controlled the Iron Curtain and all that stuff. Let me read you one of the practi- one of the things that the Stasi was doing to its own citizens. Quote, the idea was to chip away at a dissident sanity so that he would lose the will to resist, or in the words of the Stasi guide, provoke and enforce internal conflicts and contradictions within hostile negative forces that fragment, paralyze, disorganize, and isolate the opponent. The first step in a campaign was to identify the target's weak spots, then strike them over and over. Stasi agents might break into a dissident's apartment and move the pictures around, or change the time on the alarm clock. They might mail a sex toy to a target's wife. She's like, oh, oh no, the Stasi must have sent this. She has like 
giant boutique bag. She just went to the sex toy store. I was walking on the street. They put it in my hands. They might mail a sex toy to a Target's wife or send postcards from an unknown woman demanding child support. And then they have a few more examples. That totally happened. Totally happened. If you owe money to a gang, they are going to send several people to find out where you are at. They are gang stalking you. But Creek Mob in Sacramento isn't going to break in your house and change the clock on your alarm. You hope that's all that happens, right? When you owe them money. That's not what's going to happen. If not the secret police, if the normal police, just the regular police, think you're up to something, they're going to put you under surveillance. You may be up to something. You may not be up to something. You may be up to something, but they think you're up to something else. Police are going to put you under surveillance for a long enough time, gather some evidence, and then either arrest you based on that evidence, or not arrest you, maybe arrest you for something else based on some other evidence, maybe let the case go, who knows? But that's all real stuff. And the key point in that Stasi article is they use the term dissident. These are people that were either fighting the East German government or were believed to have been fighting the East German government. There's a difference between that, and thank you, Jimmy. Thank you very much for sending that because it's absolutely fascinating. There's a difference between that type of activity and this. They're, in October, they're going to have a UN meeting about cyber torture and electronic torture. And this guy's given this presentation, Dr. Melzer, Dr. Nils Melzer, is going to give a presentation saying, we need to stop thinking of torture as just breaking people's teeth, beating people up, breaking bones, stuff like that. We need to start thinking of non-touch torture, which is true, right? Which is true. The gang stalking communities jumped all over this because they're like, oh, it's our time to shine. We can get in the UN. Do governments use torture against people? Sure. Do governments spy on their citizens? Sure. This is the difference here. This is the difference between the Stasi dissident story and this. This letter was actually submitted to Dr. Melzer's group, to the UN, to the United Nations. Let me read you part of this here. Over the last several years, the illegal torture program has become more psychosocial. This happens to me every day, but a good example is several months ago, I was driving in a Home Depot parking lot. <laughs> Astute viewers will know this is the second time gang stalking and Home Depot have intersected. It's weird. Two completely random stories both take place in a Home Depot parking lot. That's a conspiracy theory worth looking into. When I was driving in a Home Depot parking lot, I stopped my vehicle to let a pedestrian cross. The gentleman raised his arm to thank me. Exactly then, my eye was electronically harassed, a.k.a. shocked. This gentleman did not have a magic finger or a specialized cell phone. Rather, it was remote neural monitoring that Elon Musk, and then it goes on to what Elon Musk is inventing. That's the difference. Saucy breaking in, trying to mess with you psychologically, sending your wife sex toys. <laughs> I know when you're trying to like, oh man, I wish Saucy was around nowadays. No, you don't. That's different. Being under observation by the police, having a gang actually stalk you to get their money back is different than driving through Home Depot. And I mean, it, it, it's funny because it makes you paranoid. I'm not a paranoid that I'm being gang stalked. I'm more paranoid now that when I'm walking down the street and like there's a fly on my belly and I scratch it, somebody's going to think I'm one of the enemy. And I don't care. I mean, whatever you come after me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna beat the, beat the hell out of you, right? But I like, I don't even want to be on these people's radar. So that's the difference. That's the difference. There is actual gang stalking out there. There are people who are stalked by more than one individual. That does happen. 
It's either state-controlled or it's private citizens, i.e. organized crime. They're not waving to you. Get your eyeball checked out, bro. Like, that is you having to get your eyeball checked out. Right? He does not have a neural link. Elon Musk did not mail this dude. He's like, hey, go to Home Depot. <laughs> you left Home Depot, right? You just walk back and forth across the crosswalk all day long, right? Okay, so that's all you're going to do. We're going to pay you just for eight hours walk back and forth. Eventually, someone's going to need to get some nails. Apparently, targeted individuals love Home Depot for some bizarre reason. And when you see someone, you're going to shock their eyeball. Get your eyeball checked out. What's more likely? That you're having a physical problem with your eyeball or that Elon Musk invented something and gave it to a dude at Home Depot to shock you? What is more likely? Going from that, going from that, Max, let's land this carbonercopter copter in this parking lot. We really got to look at what's more likely. Not say it's always the answer. Like, it's probably more likely in that first story it was a UFO, or it's more likely the kids were making it up, right? That's the most likely conclusion. But then it would be, you know, UFO or whatever. So I, I get not always going to the most likely. But if it involves my physical body, I'm like, oh my god, I got pain in my, pain in my chest and my arm, my left arm's going numb, looking around for anyone <laughs> waving hi to me. Oh, it must be, it must be the Stasi. There's a guy who posted a video on YouTube recently. And he's trying to inform the world, warn us, really, warn us, about the dangers of Dr. Pepper. Now, we all know the dangers of Dr. Pepper. It's super disgusting. It tastes like prune juice. It was invented to give you diarrhea. It's the grossest of all soft drinks. It's the Arby's of carbonated beverages. But that's not why he's warning us. He should be. I just did. He's warning us because he has this bottle of Dr. Pepper. And he's showing us that you can tell that this is counterfeit Dr. Pepper. This isn't, real, this isn't the real disgusting stuff. He can tell because it actually tastes good this time. He's like, hmm, that's weird. I want another sip of this. Something must be afoot. He's showing us this bottle of Dr. Pepper. And he said, you can tell that it's fake because they put on the label by hand. He goes, when you buy authentic Dr. Pepper from the factory... Labels are on perfectly, but if you buy Dr. Pepper and the label is kind of like, you know where the la label on the 20-ounce bottle, I should be specific, the 20-ounce bottle has that, like, plastic label on it. He says, look, you can tell where it's kind of messed up and stuff like that. He goes, that's because this isn't actually Dr. Pepper. Somebody else did this. Now, first off, I want to say, I want to criticize the gang-stalking community. There's a way more efficient way to make a counterfeit Dr. Pepper. You leave the normal label on, you empty out the bottle, and then put the stuff in. And I'll say this, if you have the ability to give people eye shocks, because I know what you're thinking, Jason, if you have the ability to give people eye shocks by raising your hand, first off, that's a pretty dumb superpower. But secondly, you could easily put on a cap that looks like it was never opened. I know that's what you're going to say. Well, what about the safety label? Or maybe you weren't. <laughs> maybe you're like, Jason, I didn't even think about that. You're taking notes. He says that the taste is close, but it's slightly off. And he bought two bottles of it. He's like, well, I know the gang-stalking community is making counterfeit Dr. Pepper. I'll buy two of them. Double, double my chances of drinking counterfeit Dr. Pepper. That was the normal part. That honestly complaining about the product quality of Dr. Pepper, that's fine. But then we have him say, normally when I drink them, they turn on the electricity. That would be an easy observational thing. Like you notice, you drink Dr. Pepper, streetlight turns on. You would never make the connection all the times you drank Dr. Pepper and streetlight didn't turn on. 
you just remember the times that it did. It's a confirmation bias. But he's not even talking about that so much. He's saying that when he drinks this Dr. Pepper, scalar waves are fired at him. Scalar waves, I had to look it up. I was vaguely familiar with the term. It was something that Tesla either hypothesized or invented. Depends on how you feel about it. But it's scalar waves is this technology that's faster than light. It's an, it's an energy that's faster than light. I'm not claiming that these are true because I honestly don't know. But the scalar waves are faster than light and they can penetrate anything. They can go through walls and tanks and cars and trains and ducks, whatever. So if you hold all those things in front of you, don't worry about it. You're still going to get your scalar waves. Now, he says that so he drinks the Dr. Pepper and that's when the electricity turns on and he's shot with these invisible faster than light waves that are penetrating his body. He says that why they're doing this so this is, I have to give him credit. He lays this out pretty coherently. I don't agree with his, his conclusions, but he's actually more coherent than a lot of targeted individuals are online. He says, they're shooting the scalar waves at me. That's what's going on. And then what's happening is he is losing weight at a rapid pace. He says on the first day he can feel it. By the third day, he's lost 10 pounds. And he goes, it's not fat. I'm losing muscle. I'm losing muscle mass. He says that the reason why they're going through all of this trouble, giving him counterfeit Dr. Pepper, hitting him with scalar waves, turning him skinny and weak, is because they're trying to turn him into a gay dude. They're trying to turn him gay. Or, if you don't like that hypothesis, he says, or maybe not. Maybe they're just trying to turn me into a woman. So, this whole process is designed to turn... This man into either a gay dude or a woman. Vast difference between the two, by the way. But it doesn't even just end with the Dr. Pepper. So let's say he stopped drinking the Dr. Pepper because he went to go eat some donuts. He's starving. That's one of the things. He goes, they put it in all the food. They put it in all my food. I bought some donuts. They put it in the donuts. I ate the donuts. I'm getting skinny and weak. Turning into a gay man or a woman, I don't know. But I haven't eaten in days. All my food is poisoned. I'm eating this junk food because I can at least eat that. I find out that's poison too. He believes he's doing it to more than just him, but it's just to targeted individuals. When we go into the store, they rearrange the shelves because there's nothing more efficient than a retail staff, right? Haven't you ever walked into a store and everything's perfectly stocked? So the fact that this conspiracy theory banks on retail staff being able to change out all the poisoned items every time a targeted individual leaves the store... That is the most unbelievable part of it. But he's eating donuts. He's drinking Dr. Pepper. He says that most of his food is poison, but he is allowed. He does try to drink Dr. Pepper, and he's definitely eating donuts and stuff like that. Halfway through this, he reveals he's diabetic. So he's having a physical response to eating nothing but sugar. That's what's going on here. He's actually very, very ill physically. Really, the reason why he's losing weight, the reason why his body probably feels weird when he's drinking, quote, counterfeit Dr. Pepper, feels like energy is being shot through his body, it's probably because he's having some sort of diabetic reaction. That's the bizarre crossroads we sit at when we talk about gang stalking. There's so much truth involved in it, and then so much bizarreness as well. People do get gang stalked by gangs, by police, by corrupt governments, or even non-corrupt governments who think you're corrupt, keep you under observation.
corporations wanting to sell you things. Sell you Dr. Pepper. I'm going to get so many ads for Dr. Pepper after recording this episode, and you will too. And then you have people getting their eyeballs electrocuted at Home Depot. Then you have people who are drinking Dr. Pepper and thinking someone is beaming waves into their body. That's not true. What is true and tragic is that this man is very, very physically ill. I don't know if he's mentally ill. I'm not going to say that he's mentally ill. But he's physically ill. To lose 10 pounds of muscle in three days. To lose 5 pounds of muscles in three days would be alarming indulging in sugary substances because, I mean, if everything's poisoned, why not eat the best-tasting poison, right? The truth and the fiction are so perfectly layered over each other with gang-stalking. That's what makes it one of the most dangerous conspiracy theories out there. Because you can read book after book, steady sheet after steady sheet, article after article talking about surveillance, talking about Orwell, talking about secret police, that when you look out your window and you see the third white sedan drive through your neighborhood that day, you think you're in that article. You think that steady sheet's about you. You think you are living a life that Orwell predicted. That delusion becomes so great that at the end, you don't trust to go to the doctor's. You don't trust society when they're saying, hey, you don't look good. It's so intense. This paranoia is so intense. You don't even trust your own body when it's crying out for help. Your eyeball shouldn't get shocked. You shouldn't lose muscle every single day. But when the conspiracy is all that matters, even your own body, may be working against you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Hey!